quote Herman Mankiewicz or Mank from the movie Mank on Netflix. You cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope is to leave the impression of one. Like us here at Nerd Out Podcast, we can't capture an entire nerd's day or life, sorry, life in an hour to two hour episode, but we will try our very best and it is our hope to leave you with the impression of a week in the life of three nerds and that we can impart some nerdy inspiration, wisdom, and all, and you know, a little bit of arousal potentially (laughs) in this next hour and a half. Hello, uh, thank you for joining us. This is another episode of Nerd Out Podcast. I am, as always, Jen Spears, and with me, as always, like I need to say anything different, uh, I have my two favourite nerds. I've got Sandra Felcher. How you doing, Sandro? Hello. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's a cold day. It is, weirdly, for yeah. December 10th. Um, not into it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and how are you, Rob? Robert Lloyd is with me as well. Are you cold? I am well. I yes, I am cold. But uh, I've been doing a lot of filming the last couple of days, and so, as Jen would know from working on stage with me quite a lot, I do tend to do the sweats. Overheat, yes, it runs hot. Yes. Mm. So yes. Uh, anytime it's cool, and I'm doing any type of performance and stuff like that, Oof. I like it colder more than hot. So it, the cold has been very welcome in uh, my life this week. So yes, cold in a good way. Glad that we can make it happen for you, Rob. Yeah. (gasps) You control the weather, Jen? (laughs) Totally. Wait, hang on. You've got Zeus in your phone? You can just call up Zeus and be like, yo. (laughs) There's an app for that. Man, look, my friend, my friend Rob, look, at school doing this filming, like, he gets pretty sweaty. Like, for the benefit of him and the and the students, can you maybe like just like cool it down a little bit? Like I know it's summer. Um Absolutely, yes. I do control control the weather. What the fuck just happened? Um, We have, uh, I guess it'll be an interesting episode. We'll find out. I don't want to promise anything. Like, we've got a really great episode ahead. Yeah, it probably (laughs) will be. But you know what? I'm going to let you decide whether it is or not. You know what? I'll just let you. It's a choose your own adventure, really. Like, you decide if it's a good episode. But I will tell you what we're going to talk about. Um, We're going to talk about Mank, if you didn't guess, from the... uh, the opener, um, which I forgot was a movie. And then when Sandra goes, let's do Mank. I was like, I beg your pardon? Because Mank, <laughs> it, where I, like, I use the word Mank to describe something that's like mangy and gross. So <laughs> Sandra's like, oh, we'll do Mank this week. And I, anyway, that's my little backstory. We are talking about the movie Mank, <laughs> which is about uh, the Hollywood writer Herman Mankiewicz. We'll get, we'll get into that later um, into great detail, I'm sure. Um, before we get going, before we even ask any types of questions, um, I don't know what questions, but a question, um, (laughs) I believe we actually have some, um, a question, a a different kind of question through, uh, in the form of some feedback, Sandra. Did you receive, we receive an email this week? (laughs) We did receive an email this week. Other than the, the word of the day, other than the word of the day that someone signed us up to thank you kind yep. person mm-hmm. someone signed our email up to word of the day i just unsubscribed uh so if you are listening to this resubscribe or up to something else <laughs> up your game yeah oh that oh, okay like uh, a challenge is a bad idea just like a random newsletter your favorite band's newsletter sign us up for that oh someone yeah someone signs up to nickelback i'll 
I will be setting our entire fan base on fire. Sign up to the fan club and we get a we get a newsletter every month. Oh my god. Ooh. And, and the possibly stickers. Called, the newsletter will be called like look at this photograph or something. It'll be like <laughs> yeah. anyway. Um what what feedback have we received? What's our what's the email, Sandro? Well, we've received an email from Patrick Register. (laughs) (laughs) We should have sent it in anonymously. (laughs) The email reads, Hey nerds, long time listener, occasional guest, first time emailer. Love that. I recently sat through Tenant and a very base question suddenly came to me. At the risk of making the next episode a little blue, I'd love to hear your thoughts on peen, pooping, and eating in the Tenant universe. Nice. Are our inverted selves just walking around vacuuming up pee and poop and spewing out <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I know you'll have the answer. Love you all, but Jen most, Patty Register. <laughs> Oh, shout out, Patty. Thank you for your email. Um, I've actually had a lot to think about this one, but I want to hear what you guys think. Wow. Um, You know, and if it is a thing, how could you use it? How could you weaponize this? How can you weaponize (laughs) it? Obviously, Jen, you haven't seen uh, the iconic uh, Red Dwarf episode from season, Red Dwarf episode from season three backwards, where there's the iconic moment right at the end where Kat, uh, after they've been in a world that's completely going backwards, they uh, he decides just to go off to the bushes and <laughs> um, just the reaction shot of Danny John Jules, who plays Cat, as he um, goes to do his business, but his business does him. Um, <laughs> is, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. I just thought up that then. I do improvisation. Um, uh, is, is, is My is life. One- <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, yeah. One of the greatest moments in Red. Uh, and that's a great question to bring up. It's like the people who bring up uh, in you know a quiet place. They're going so they can't make any. No- what about farts? What about what about farts? Farts? Mm-hmm. Is there farts? What about farts? I'm going. These are the type of people I need to spend more time with. Well, I mean, I think I think you know because we don't really understand how it works. Um, yeah. I mean, Nolan didn't really think it through very well. Like, no. if they can send bullet inverted bullets back in time and pieces of bombs, mm. could you not just, like, send everyone, like, get hold of a plumber, organise access to s- city sewerage, and send, invert everyone's poops so they're just coming back out of the toilet at them? Like, that's a, f- you know, you could weaponize that. It's that like biological weaponry. Well, there was a part in Tenet as well where um, he's like, how do I know when I'm going to shoot the inverted bullet yeah. and it is uh it's instinct it all relies oh, on instinct so yeah. <laughs> if you are invert does that mean you just see for example a puddle on the floor and you're like oh my instincts my instinct tells me that's gonna shoot up my doodle in a minute <laughs> yeah shoot <laughs> up my doodle <laughs> is that how it works for some reason what... it doesn't happen to women it only happens oh sorry it doesn't happen to only happens to people with doodles it doesn't happen to people with vaginas no we've got better instinct than that Shoot up my doodle. That's what I'm going to call my new podcast. I don't even know what it's about, but welcome, welcome to Shoot Up oh, My Doodle. Oh, it's just comedians talking about nothing, but also to a new everything. episode yeah, yeah. of Shoot It Up My Doodle, where we talk about all things doodles. Today our guest is Joel McHale. <laughs> it actually sounds like a fucked up, like, heroin addict thing, <laughs> shooting up your doodle. I mean, look, each to his own. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think you're right. I think if you, I think you'd know, like if you went into the bathroom, but you'd be inverted. Oh, look. I'm more worried about the fact if you need to go, then you go 
inverted, but you don't go, but then you come back and then you need to still go. I was going to say, you would never oh, feel yeah. like you needed to go. You'd just walk into the bathroom and be like, instinct would tell you, sit on the toilet and then it would shoot up you and then you'd have poo pain for the next yeah. couple of hours. It's the same <laughs> with like eating something. You'd be like, oh, I f- suddenly so feel full. really full. Yeah. So then you vomit out your food. And then you're like, oh, but now I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry. It's not a good way to live. Uh, it's it's, it's the grand, it's the you know the grandpa poo paradox really. Like <laughs> that's the paradox you need to look out for. You don't want to meet your own grandfather's poop because then your your poop will never exist. There's a there's a mo- there's a moment of pure clarity in your life you have only a couple of times. Um, just finishing watching Mank and what that represents and the fact that we're going to be talking about it soon. I know. Uh, juxtaposing completely with this conversation, I <laughs> this is the point in my life where I realise and go, how did I get here? I do feel like a David Byrne song. I do feel like I'm singing, <laughs> yeah. I should be in a big white suit singing, you know. Yeah, water flowing under. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's same as it ever was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I'm just thinking, like, you know, whether you're going or coming or going or leaving or <laughs> Let's not even talk or... about that... coming. Oh, yeah. How would that work as well? Don't... Yeah, that's okay. That's... that's a whole other... That's a... <laughs> that made the... That will make the episode very blue. That's it. A... <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, you'd you have constant blue balls because, anyway, that's not... This is a family, po... this is a family podcast, so shame on you, Patty Register, for sending us that email. And yes. making this an R or an MA, at least MA15 plus rated episode. Mm. But if you also want to send us an email and turn the podcast to it, I mean, uh, MA15 plus restricted, then you you easily can. Feedback.nerdout at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, if you want to give your take on this tenant question or just ask your ask own a, question. Ask us questions. I love answering. Do you remember MySpace? Uh, Sandra, you won't. Rob, you will. Um, you <laughs> used to do these like quizzes it was just like favorite yeah. color like i fucking loved those kind of things i love answering questions so oh and you had to pick your top friends yeah oh god oh, let's not even let's, yeah, lives yeah, yeah. were ruined by the eight top friends and if you wanted to do the personal design with the backgrounds and the fonts you had to like embed the code which is and, actually when oh. you think about it now myspace you know it encouraged people to code little scene scene kids to learn to code and they're probably like working at at Software places now. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I never got into it clearly. Um, well, thank you for that feedback. We, um, as yes, please send us through questions, feedback, answers, Ooh. things like that. Um, oh, um, I do believe as well, just to tie into that, that uh, Patty was also on the recent episode of Nerd Out Consumed talking about the PlayStation 5. So if you haven't heard that yet, check that out. It's a clean episode. <laughs> he saved all the blue stuff for our episode. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> Yes, check that out. Um, beautiful. Well, we've had that question and now we've got another question. Um, I'm not going to ask myself what I've been consuming lately. I'm just going to tell you I had uh, chicken palmas for dinner. I broke vegetarian Ooh. and had chicken palmas and vegetables for dinner. And how so was that? It was it was good. I'll probably regret it later. Uh, even non-inverted, uh, it's <laughs> going to be... It's going to be an experience because um, I haven't eaten meat in like many, almost a year. Oh. <laughs> so, I haven't eaten meat in a year like that. So, um, yeah. yeah. We'll Interesting see. choice to be your first meat in, uh, you yeah, know, is a. Uh, I thought uh, chicken would be the thing that I would crave, and it's not. It's um, 
prosciutto and like pepperoni, like processed oh, kind of meats. Nice. So this had ham on it yeah. as well. So I went double. Anyway, um, I'm going to ask you two a question and it'll eventually get back to me to answer. A question that in normal form, inverted form, has been around for centuries, decades, millennia. Decades is less than centuries. Decades, millenniums, all of that. The question is, what have you been consuming lately? Let's throw to Rob. Mm. What have you been consuming lately, Rob? Um, yeah, still like... Last week, I'm up to my ass in school production, which is all finished now. So um, any free moment I've had, I'm doing one of two things. Uh, last night, I finished off my second rewatch of Rebels. Nice. Um, so I've got, I powered through season two, three, and four. A lot of things that happened in season three that I thought happened in season four. So the ending of season three... <laughs> I expect it came later, and that was really, really great to watch. And season four is a shorter season. Like, they had about 20 episodes in season one and two, and then they had a massive reduction for season three and even less for four. But mm. um, they crammed so much in there. There's some incredible stuff. I just – I'm watching it going, yeah, I'm, I'm right in loving this show. I particularly love how they display Mandalorian culture, and Filoni has a wonderful understanding – of how he's really grown um, that culture. And it's a real shame, actually, looking back at it in hindsight, with that the Mandalorian has been good in, in bringing that element of it, but they can, but they're focusing on just one cult of Mandalorian culture when there is so much depth to it. It's kind of like what they did in Deep Space Nine with the Bajoran culture and the Cardassians. They yeah. they expanded them out over seven seasons. They could and they've done that with Clone Wars and and now with with Rebels. And so they seem to be giving a more narrow view of it in The Mandalorian, um, with little hints with Bo-Katan and stuff like that. So yeah, season four is just wonderful. I, it's been such a joy to rewatch. Um, and also I'm, uh, I'm now up to book four of, uh, Rivers of London. So I yes. finished. Wow. I've yeah, got so- Moon of Soho number two sitting on my bedstead. I'm holding it right now on my bedstead oh, table. Great. Like read me next and then the next three underneath. Um, yeah. Desperate of, for me to Moon read Moon Soho is number two and it's beautiful. I really love, yeah, love Moon Over Soho. I've almost been scared to read, to start reading them because, but now that I know they're good, then I'm not scared anymore. No, they 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 just get better and better. After I finished the third one, which is Whispers Underground, which is really really good, um, uh, with uh, probably more hints towards Gaiman, cool. um, uh, about uh, Ben Aronovich just balances out. I'm just I'm just starting the fourth one, which is Broken Homes. Um, it, he's just great. He's just an incredible writer, amazing writer. He's just he's just in tune. He's like he's a big old nerd, and yeah. so. And he's just been given this freedom. He can just do all these beautiful references. Every single book he has a Doctor Who reference, and it's and it's never done in any other way than just really subtle. It's not like, ah, see, I'm doing a reference here. Oh yeah. Um, uh, he's got references to the goodies. He has reference to, um, sorry, I haven't a clue. All these obscure, like just parts of pop culture, and it never takes away from uh, the just the pure joy and what I particularly love is how Peter Grant the lead character actually refers to Harry Potter universe and how it annoys Nightingale who's his master yeah. um, that's great yeah 
and the characters that come back. Uh, he's just created a beautiful world, and he just adds and shapes to it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a joy for me. I'm I'm listening to it uh, on to and from work. Um, uh, yes, it's it. He's just outstanding. I can't believe it took me so long to get into it, but I'm just powering through them. Have uh, I asked you before? I I might have asked you on previous episodes if it's narrated by anybody in particular. Yes, it's uh, narrated by uh, Kovna Holbrook Smith, uh, wonderful uh, actor, and his. Uh, his ability to change character voices, um, uh, his accent work is incredible. Um, he is of African descent. So that's, you know, connected directly with Peter Grant. And so, cause Peter Mm. Grant's, uh, from his, his, um, Sierra Leone heritage. Um, and just his, 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 his grasp of character is just wonderful. He's, he is becoming the voice of, well, he is the voice of this character for me. Yeah. I mean, Um, when I, um, I listened to the, yeah, the first half of the book and then I went and read the rest of it. started it again and read it. And his voice yeah. is still what I hear when yes. I read Peter Grant's voice. And even, um, as it Barbara, what was her name in the first book? The blonde, oh, his, um, his voice Be- for her was Beverly Brooke. Oh my God. Very Beverly. Funny. Yeah. Uh, and his voice for Nightingale is amazing. I love how he's very clipped. And when he speaks as Nightingale. So have you done <laughs> any of it, Sandro? Uh, not yet. It's on my list. Um, I've got a, I want to get through the Witcher series and then yeah. I'm probably going to yeah. dive into it. So hopefully maybe like mid next year, I think. Are there any rumors or anything about a TV show? Cause I then know. if I... they bring, I, then I could that use my everyone must watch card uh, yeah. on that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not going to force you to read the books. You read them if you want to read them. It's, it's written in such a beautiful way. It's just what I love about it is he has such uh, minute detail and knowledge and understanding our research of the history of London yeah. and its architecture and its areas. So you get these little history lessons about certain areas of London, its architecture or it's, you know, the life of it. And it just blends seamlessly into the story and you never feel as if you're being educated, but you are learning yep. as you go. Um, and there are certain, there's, there's certain things I would love to see, how they capture it on film. Well, I know that you're going to particularly like the news that came out midway through 2019, Rob, because there is a TV adaptation coming. No shit. Produced by Stolen Picture, which is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's production company. Oh. Oh. oh, I don't know if you can hear, but all six of my nipples are tingling. Wow. <laughs> That's a, well, okay. I hope, hopefully they do a better job than yeah. what, what I saw with, um, uh, yeah. Oh God! Our truth seekers. Do we think uh, yeah. they'll be in it or just producing it? Probably both. Um, oh God! Maybe Peg could. Uh, Peg could possibly do Nightingale. Mm. Um, mm. But I, I think I think mm-hmm. they'd step back and just produce it would be the strongest thing. Yeah. The stuff stuff about the Vest- Vestig- Yeah, Vestigia yeah. would be amazing to see how they capture that on screen yeah. because it's yeah. such a heavily descriptive part of it. Uh, it's like I could just see this like a, a, a lesser filmmaker would just do it with flashes of images, but just how Peter... yeah, like um, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. It, um, for those who don't know, Vestigia is um, the remnants of like a memory, almost that magically people when when magic is used, it leaves Vestigia behind, um, and mm. people that are sensitive to it can you know get sounds and smells and you know piece together. Right. What's and happening? images, yeah. It's a yeah. combination of all the senses. Um, yeah. 
and it's done really well. And it's like jumps of narrative within it, just little jumps about when he, when uh, Peter's talking about something, he then leaps into this just mini flashback about how it's represented and slips back in. So it's mm. a, um, it's, and you don't realize until a couple of sentences that you're in a flashback and then he yeah. moves back to the regular narrative. It's very clever, but it would be, um, you'd need someone incredibly good at adapting and mm-hmm. uh, visual style with telling a story. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, like everything I've heard about it um, does kind of lead me to think that maybe someone like, uh, oh, what's his name? Why is his name escaping me? The Scott Pilgrim guy, the director. Um, Edgar Wright. Yeah. yeah, like Edgar Wright would be perfect. Pretty much everything I've heard about the series little, little leads me to think, yeah, that he should get involved. So, yeah. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Or, may- or, or maybe the team that did that Dirk Gently show? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, actually. It's... um. And that comes down to a case of money. I mean, there's just a, there's quite a down to earth feel about the yeah. rivers of London season. But there, when it needs, when it needs that money, you need that specific yeah. representation of 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 certain things. And if it's done on the cheap, it would you know, unless it's done in a clever way. Yeah, it could be quite a mess. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to hear what you think of. Uh, Moon Over Soho. I love Moon Over Soho. Um, uh, you find out a bit more about. Um, I want, it's not too much of a way. You find out more about Peter's um, dad and mum. Oh, great! Because they sound really interesting. Oh yeah, his dad is just incredible. I'm just. Um, it's definitely up next. I'm currently reading Water for Elephants, and I'm smashing through that. Um, I'm annoyed because the last book that I read, it took me over a month to read and I didn't like it. And I'm like, what a fucking waste of time. I could have been reading. I could have been like, you know, I've lost a month and now I've got, you know, bloody, I've got these books I want to read. But anyway, I'm sticking to my list and it's next up. So, um, very, and I'll probably smash through maybe two in a row. We'll see. Yeah. Cause I remember when you read the first one and I hadn't listened to it and the way you were talking about it, I'm going, Oh, okay. I want to go to there. Yeah, I want to um, go to there. Yeah, sorry. So I just wanted to quote Liz Lemon. Um, <laughs> I'm glad because I f- didn't feel like I did the book justice at all when I spoke about it. So I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> you did very well. And I'm looking forward to now that I've jumped ahead is to catch up with you. And of course, Sandra, I'm looking forward to you getting into it. The three of you are lovely. Yeah. Looking forward to, us to talk all about it because I'm mm. here going, what's going to happen next? And I want to <laughs> do all that type of stuff. So yeah. 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 And they're still coming out as well. I mean, one was published the side of the, th- of this year. Yeah. So. One just, yeah. The yeah. 10th, I think came out this year. And plus as everyone on Twitter has told me when I posted them in there, go, don't forget the comic books. They're tied in as well. So, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, uh, to collecting those as well, which Ben Aronovich has brought in his old... I mentioned this last time, but I just love saying it every time. He got his first job on TV through Doctor Who with um, a guy called Andrew Cartmel, who was script editor in the late 80s. And so now Ben Aronovich is bigger than anybody else in 80s Doctor Who. Um, he's brought in the guy who got him his job. So in the comic books, he's co-writing oh, nice. it with um, uh, Andrew Cartmel. So I've just gone, I can't love... Ben Aronovich anymore. Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> so, yes, that's what I've been consuming in a long, convoluted way. Don't really, I don't bring the arousal, Jen, but I bring the ramble. Um, I don't know. About- <laughs> you, if you met, I reckon if you mentioned Doctor Who twice more an episode, there'll be a lot of arousals happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
It's like collective... Beetlejuice. You've got to say it so many times. Is that um, the collective right. noun for for arousal? Arousals. There'll be multiple arousals. Multiple. Oh gosh. Oh, of, gee. you know, Very listeners, good. not us. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That would be, inappropriate. Course, course. be inappropriate. 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 Okay. Interesting and in something else in the Tenet <laughs> universe. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you, uh, Sandra? What have you been consuming lately? Well, I'll mention Doctor Who a couple of times. Um, <laughs> so. Loosen those jeans, people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know how I feel about that. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, Rob mentioned it a few episodes back, but uh, recently uh, the BBC have been releasing Blu-ray copies of uh, a lot of the second Doctor stories, Patrick Troughton's <sighs> stories, because they yes. are missing. A lot, a lot of them completely missing, aside from the audio. So they have been animating around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I picked up the four that they have released so far, which is Power of the Daleks, which I believe is the one that Rob talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Also, Fury of the Deep just came out. Uh, the Faceless Ones, and then one other one, the Macra Terror, um, all... Uh, supposedly lost stories now brought back to life through the powers of animation. So I'm getting ready to go through those. Uh, but first I realized that I actually had never seen the story set before Patrick Troughton's first one, uh, which is the 10th planet, the first ever introduction of the Cybermen. Yeah. So I've been hunting down a copy of that because uh, three of the episodes are around, but then one of them is animated. The final episode, which is the mid, the, the missing one, is actually animated. So mm-hmm. I've been trying to hunt down a copy of that. Uh, found one the, the other day, gave it an order. So very soon I'm going to be going through a lot of Patrick Trout and stuff, um, which I'm excited about because I, I really haven't watched a lot of them because they're just not available. I think Mind Robber is probably the only one I've seen. Yeah, most of, well, um, because most of the uh, classic Doctor Whos are now being released on Blu-ray uh, full seasons, a lot of uh, uh, hardcore Doctor Who fans who collected them all on DVD are now, for some strange reason, going, oh, I'm I'm thinking of selling my Doctor Who DVDs. Does anybody <laughs> want to pick them up? And all hardcore Doctor Who fans going, well, we're doing the exact same thing, so we're not going to buy them. So, <laughs> but those, but, you know, uh, like you, Sandra, who's there going, oh, I haven't picked up those ones. There's a, you, you could possibly pick up quite a lot of, old school DVDs that were released with all the special mm. features that you haven't seen, especially 10th planet is a great one. Cause they got an Australian animation company. Um, uh, I can't remember the, the company's name um, uh, to do episode four of 10th planet. And they also did the moon base, which is a Patrick Troughton one. They also oh, yeah. did um, uh, the reign of terror, which is a William Hartnell one set in the French revolution. And their animation style is quite, um, manga anime style uh, yeah. and it's quite good and the, the from what I can remember the animation from 10th Planet is quite good so yeah yeah it looks pretty good I made sure to check out some clips from it just to be sure that I was happy with the animation because I know that the original power of the Daleks wasn't particularly great so I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be like yeah. that the special edition is a lot better like it is you, you can watch on YouTube comparison videos of the one that Innes and I went and saw on the big screen, uh, the first release, yeah. which was rushed. They didn't have any money or any support, and it was it, it didn't do credit to the to the to the animators or to the story. But they've gone back, and it's you can watch the comparison, and it is a remarkable mm. improvement. So, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've picked up those, and then I've also picked up a, a lot of those 
full season Blu-rays that you were talking about. I think I got all of them aside from the Colin Baker one because uh, Colin Baker. <laughs> Look, he's fine. I'll watch him one day. Everything I've seen from him I haven't liked. But the main thing that I wanted to talk about uh, was a book I've been reading. I think I mentioned it maybe last week or the week before, uh, but I am getting around to reading Ahsoka, the Star Wars novel set in between uh, episode three and her appearance in Star Wars Rebels. But apparently now that season seven of Clone Wars has been released, it kind of contradicts the Ahsoka book. Just, just slightly. So uh, I'm pretty sure Filoni had written that episode before the show was even cancelled. So there are a lot of uh, images that are in the show that are in the book. Um, I don't really want to say too much. <laughs> uh, the stuff with their lightsaber is in the book. That particular moment is in the book. So there are some stuff that fits pretty well, but there is a lot of stuff that does contradict, particularly the, the mall stuff does kind of contradict yeah. uh, what is in the novel. But then that's also kind of shown through flashbacks and they're very separated from the rest of the novel. So it's kind of easy to just like ignore that. Um, it's... <sighs> It's such an interesting book because it's pretty, like, my thoughts on the recent Star Wars novels, my problems and the stuff I like about them, they're all, they're all here. They're all in this one book. <laughs> uh, it is written by E.K. Johnston, um, who has gone on to do uh, some Padme Amidala books uh, for a younger audience, um, some, like, some YA stuff about about her before she met Anakin, all that stuff, mm. um, which I probably won't ever read, but good to know they're out there. I remember reading a Padme book back in the day and being like, hey, it's a Padme book. This is kind of cool. <laughs> so uh, this one is very much in the style of a young adult novel. There's, it's like 350 pages, but like the font size is very large. So um, <laughs> if you compare it to maybe like Dune, it's probably like 200 or something. It's a very brisk read. I'm moving through it quite quickly. It tells the story of Ahsoka um, a year on from the rise of the Empire. Uh, and, and she's hiding out on planets, uh, meeting people, but being like, I don't want to tell you I'm a Jedi, all that, that sort of stuff, uh, while the, the Empire is rising, while the Inquisitors are going from planet to planet trying to find the remnants of the, uh, of the Republic, um, and then it's also kind of setting up her becoming, uh, the character that we see in Rebels, um, and very much setting up the Rebellion, there's some stuff in there with Bail Organa, uh, and him and how he kind of like influenced uh, the rebellion. So it's on paper, it's very interesting. And there's a lot in here that that, that, that is excellent. In particular, the Inquisitor stuff is great. Oh, cool. But <laughs> there's a lot of the book where it's just her on a planet trying to organize like a rebellion against the empire with these characters that you don't really care about. There's a lot of like small scale planetary stuff which is the majority of the book which just isn't it's just not interesting it's just not interesting at all it feels like the author was told tell this story but you can't really do much that affects the universe overall we'll give you an inquisitor you can maybe mention darth vader once or twice and bail organa why not he's in there but you can't really do anything outside of that so as an author you're like okay well then i guess it's set on like a farming planet uh, and I guess we've got to have a bunch of characters, uh, and, and this and that. It does feel very, uh, low scale, 
which is a shame, which is a big shame because it's the character of Ahsoka. Like, you kind of want a big epic adventure with her. Instead, what you're getting does just kind of feel like another episode of Clone Wars that isn't particularly memorable, aside from the stuff with, like, the Inquisitors. So it's a bit of a shame. Uh, Unfortunately, that's what a lot of the recent Disney novels are like, though. They are really making sure you don't do anything too large so that, like, it affects the universe in general, <laughs> which is what I liked about, like, L- Lucas's approach, which is, just do whatever you want. If you want, like, ten c- clones of Luke, go for it. <laughs> if you want, like, an alien race that's entirely, like, <laughs> vines and their ships are, like, living animals, they can come attack the universe. If you want Chewie to be, you know, killed by being crushed by a planet, we'll do that. Exactly. Just don't write anything that's set in the Clone Wars and you'll be fine. That was basically <laughs> his rule, was the Clone Wars is off everything else. And unfortunately for Disney, it seems like they are very much like, no, you can only work within the construct that we have created, uh, which is a big shame. Yeah, it's, uh, that's what I'm kind of worried about. Well, not worried about, just and I'll be interested to see how they deal with it with Kenobi, because we know he can't make that much of a big whisper. Uh, mm. you know, um, uh, he can't make his presence known. And, you know, he, there's a, it, there's a great line in season three of Rebels where, you know, they're talking about Master Kenobi and, you know, everyone thought, thinks he's dead. And he goes, no, I think he's alive. And they go, if he was alive, why would he not be here fighting this with us? And, yeah. um, and so that type of stuff's really interesting. That type of thing about, you know, what, you know, we know from the original trilogy, you just go, all right, well then, um, okay, Yoda's in hiding in Dagobah and Ben Kenobi's hiding in the desert, sure. But then the <laughs> ramifications of that going, but why did they do that? Why, why did, what are the ramifications of that within, you know, how they're perceived and how they deal with that in their own minds? And so very interested, to, yeah, very interested to see how they uh, deal with that with, uh, with young Ewan. And there's a series of novels coming out soon as well called The High Republic, which is Mm. set, I think, uh, in between the Old Republic stuff and then the prequels, which is, it's going to be interesting to see how creatives work with just a blank slate. Oh, is it going to focus on Chancellor Valorum? Is it going to focus on Chancellor Valorum, the character (laughs) we've all been wanting to see a a whole arc on? I mean, probably. (laughs) Chance of Alorum, the college years. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, they managed to make an entire novel out of Darth Plagueis, and it was kind of good, so <laughs> who knows? You could do anything. You put your mind you to it. You can. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been... I'll probably give it like a schmear. It's okay. Uh, if you like Ahsoka, you'll like it. And check out the audiobook, which is read by uh, the voice actress Ashley Eckstein as well, who does uh. um, the animated stuff. So it's okay. Uh, but how about you, Jen? What have you been consuming lately? Um, not much in terms of like something to really talk about. It's December, so I'm watching Christmas movies. Um, the usual. Uh, we started with Home Alone. We've done National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, uh, A Christmas Story, as you all know, is my favourite. Um, mm. and Christmas Chronicles one, but we also went and watched <laughs> number two last night. <gasps> oh, okay. So. I think my favorite Santa is Kurt Russell. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. Tim Allen in a Christmas in uh Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. I thought he was great, but like come on, Kurt Russell, 
He is beautiful. He's got the like his eyes, like they're so like kind eyes. He's he's jolly, and you know, fucking throw Goldie Horn in as Mrs. Claus, and it's just like my dream come <laughs> true. So those yeah. two in real life are fucking beautiful and like full of joy and just love them. So like, of course they're gonna you know pop on screen. Um, it's 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 good. It's still really fun. Um, I think it's it's more. Feel like it would be more fun. Number two would be more fun for kids to watch than they would have found number one. So number one was very like set, obviously in you know Chicago, wherever they end up, and it's you know trying to get the sleigh back, uh, you know, moving and save Christmas, which is still fun for kids. But this is like set in the North Pole. It's set in Santa's village. There's elves. You know, there's, at one point there's a kid fighting off crazed elves with a Nerf gun. Like it's a bit more <laughs> silly. It's a lot sillier. Um, Oh yeah, that's that's that sounds silly. Yeah, that's yeah. a very silly idea. <laughs> um, the first yeah. one was silly, but you know, there's a couple of things like um, the main the main crux of the story is there's this uh, the kid I can't think of his name the actor who's in Deadpool and he's in Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh uh, yeah, New yeah, Zealand yeah. guy. He's um, he's the villain of the piece, and basically he's trying to steal the um, the Bethlehem star, which is on the top of the Christmas tree and what that is is part of the original Bethlehem star and it creates the Aurora Borealis which hides um, Santa's village from the rest of the world. Um, Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis. Um, He's trying to steal it to use it, his place at the South Pole so that he can be um, immortal basically because Santa doesn't age because he lives within the Aurora. Um, So, yeah, that's the basic story and he uses the girl from the first film because she's a true believer to help him gain access to the village etc wow, hilarity ensues um there is time travel but it's done well <laughs> <laughs> not unlike there is kind of like space travel in the first one there's some moments in it that you're like okay so have you both seen the first one i have not but it's okay it's okay i, I don't think it'll be ruined for me if you give away any yeah. spoilers i saw the first half hour and went this is not for me Oh, I loved it. Okay, so there's a bit where Santa's in jail and he's like trying to get out. So he like magics everyone into having instruments and they sing and they sing a song. And it's really cool. He's got like Ray Ban glasses on it, and it's that like um, if you're looking for trouble, you're in the right place. But it's you know Santa Christmas themed. Anyway, <laughs> they obviously <laughs> found people love that. So in the second one, they've kind of got a musical number, but it's really naff and kind of not as fun. It's not as cool. Um, it's a little bit cheesier than the first one, but it's a Christmas film. Like it's it's about saving saving Christmas with a bunch of kid actors and a bunch of um, animated elves. So you know it's going to be cheesy. Um, I really I really enjoyed it. So I mean I could watch fucking Kurt Russell mop a floor like really. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. So um, that was really fun. And I love Goldie Horn. She's absolutely just beautiful and humble. Well, that's in this that's film, what so. I want to ask you. Seeing you are uh, you know you 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 want to wrestle with Kurt. Um, <laughs> Do I? Uh, have you gone back with your um, uh, a Disney Plus subscription and gone and watched you know when he was the the it boy for Disney back in the seventies? Have Not you watched? Yet. A lot of the the movies we've got on our watch want to watch list. Um, so I'm. I like I like current you know current Kurt Russell like I'm I'm mm-hmm. liking the beard and the you know yeah because anyway. I'm a I'm a you know I'm a uh, Escape from New York obviously hey I'm Kurt I'm Kurt, oh, yeah. I'm Kurt Russell John Carpenter era so Thing Escape from New York and but um, as you guys know like I will never forgive 
whoever chose to give his character uh, an eye patch, like covering up one of his beautiful blue eyes, <laughs> is a fucking crime. Um, so yeah, I love, like I said, everything. I haven't watched him in any of his old stuff. Um, yeah, I have seen him do Elvis. Um, yeah, that, Elvis. He did that, that, that with incredible. with Kurt, with um, John Carpenter. It was a telly movie, and that's so how they good. started oh. working together. And John Carpenter went, "Hey, you're really good. Come and do this, you know, horror sci-fi film with me." And Kurt yeah. Russell went, "Great, yeah, sure." It's quite funny that he's in Elvis because I think this is correct. In it as an Elvis film that he's in as a very small child, and he runs up and kicks Elvis's character in the shins. And it's kind of like, and then later <laughs> he great. goes to play him. So. Um, yeah, that was really fun. I definitely recommend it if you like the first one. It's just the same kind of warm, fuzzy feelings. Um, some beautiful um, visuals in it as well, just of like the Christmas village. Like I love that kind of shit. I love Christmas. Um, it's really interesting because the second one is um, directed by Chris Columbus as well, like a big name director. Hey. Cool. Like I said, it feels bigger. They go to a lot of different yeah, places that, I don't know, there's a lot more big epic kind of scenes in it than in the first one um but yeah it's 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 a different film but it's the same <laughs> it's very different but the same kind of feel um, different but same di- di- same yeah. same but different 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 but same um yeah really fun i still think the first one's better um but they're both really fun um then other than that like so i give that a thumb up um i've finished the new season of the crown um ah. two thumbs up i give the crown every season two thumbs up because i fucking love that show i know it like it definitely dramatizes some stuff that probably didn't happen or you know how would they know but even just i'm really fascinated by the royal family um and i just find the whole thing fascinating and like i was like my mom loved charles and diana so i love diana and charles and just you know getting to see her um has been really cool um, I think we might have talked about The Crown last episode very briefly. Um, I think we did a little bit. I can't remember. That was like a month ago, wasn't it? Um, and then I also, um, have you finished the qu- a qu- Queen's Gambit, Sandro? I've, oh, I'm two episodes away. I've, I will talk yeah. about Queen's Gambit another episode and we can talk about it together. Yeah, um, awesome. And, I've been, and I finished Queen's Gambit, but I won't say anything else about that. So it's been all Christmas all, t- all the time other than, um, you know, watching <laughs> Mank the other night. Um, and we'll continue to be, I think we're going to watch next Nightmare Before Christmas. I wanted to watch it for Halloween, but Patty said it's a Christmas film. So we'll watch it for Christmas. I've only ever seen it once and I don't really remember it. So, um, uh, I don't want to watch The Grinch this year because I don't actually think it's that funny. Um, sorry, all you Grinch fan people. I just, which I one, know. the Jim Carrey one or the yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch we'll one? We'll probably watch that one. No, the Jim Carrey one. I love, I love Jim Carrey. I, he was my first crush. When I was a kid, yeah, I was, fair had enough. a crush on Jim Carrey, and my sister said, "Gross, he's like 30. <laughs> I'm now thirty-one, so it's fine." Um, he's a wild unit. So, I, and there's moments in it that I think are really funny, but I never saw it when it first came out. I don't have that nostalgic connection to it. Whereas a lot of people don't understand my obsession with Polar Express because I have that uh... sort of yeah. So I don't. Know, I know Polar Express isn't a good film, but um, I watch it every year. There's probably a good film in there if. They didn't make it in the year they made it, maybe. Oh, it's creepy, isn't it? The animation. Yeah, oh, they the, made it now. The, the maybe, dead eyes. <laughs> you take away all the charm of Tom Hanks. How can you do that? That's Robert Zemeckis' Tom skill. Has every adult role in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did watch Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood actually recently. Anyway, oh, oh okay. things that's that I watched that I forgot to talk about. Um, so yeah, it's all Christmas pretty much, and that's probably all I'm going to talk about for the next, other than Queen's Gambit, until the end of the year. So heads up. 
Um, I'll try and watch some new stuff. Uh, last Christmas I didn't watch last year because I didn't want to get whammed. I don't know if anyone else plays Whamageddon, which is during December. If you hear the Wham song last Christmas, you lose. So you have to try and avoid <laughs> it all. Um, you can hear covers, but the moment that you recognize the song is being played, you lose. And I got whammed a week ago, so I can watch yeah. this film now. <laughs> well, we could, um, the movie Happiest Season, which does star our, uh, I was going to say our good friend, the guy we all have got a crush on, Dan Levy. Um, oh. yeah, um, that has come out in cinemas and online. So we could probably do an episode on that yeah. around Christmas time. Of, That'd yeah. be good. Uh, we'll I talk. would love to watch that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to try a couple new ones so I'm not just talking about the same old Christmas movies. Um, if you all have any suggestions, just send us an email, shoot us a DM on Instagram. I'd love your um, – tell me what your favourite Christmas movie is so I can watch it. So that leads us into our the main part of our episode, our review. Now, before we get right into it, and Sandro is going to lead it, I'm going to handball it once again. Um, You've done pretty well leading this first half of it. I'd just like to say, for someone who yeah, is definitely. a self-proclaimed, oh, I'm not good at leading, you've led this podcast very well this episode. Uh, I don't like leading the review section, the main mm. section, because I, I ramble, so I, it needs a little bit of structure. I like to just, you know, give my opinion and then, like, sit back for a bit and listen to other people. So it's a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> um, so as we mentioned, we are reviewing... Um, the movie Mank, which is out on Netflix at the moment, um, which follows the life of her, uh, well, part of the life of Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote the movie Citizen Kane. Um, so before we get into it, I did just want to f- get a little bit of a lay of the land with you guys on what yep. your experience um, is with the movie Citizen Kane. Rob, have you seen it? Do you like it? What's it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, as a as a as a young actor and performer, you kind of mm. get swept up in the in the mythology that is Orson Welles. Orson Welles. You know, the the the, mm. the boy prodigy you started on radio and you know you know terrified a nation with 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 <laughs> War of the Worlds, and then you find out later on that um, probably not so much of a panic, but it, it, you know he you know he was never one to shirk a good publicity no. angle, um, yeah. and. Yeah, and the the there's been multiple stories told about Orson Welles's life and those historical moments. You know, there was Lee Shriver has famously played him back in the nineties um, uh, with the the making of Citizen Kane. Um, mm. So and and once you finally see it, you know, there's just so much expectation built mm. up to it, um, and and it, it it lives up to its expectation. You know, I don't think it's a film that you you love or enjoy, but it is a film you respect and mm-hmm. admire yeah. and the cool. way that it's written and the way that it's structured and the way that it's shot and the audacity of it all and, mm. and, and, and what it was trying to achieve in the, in, 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 in that era. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, you could watch it on, in, if you don't know anything about who it was based on and all that, all that background stuff, you could just watch it and go, wow, that's a beautiful piece of filmmaking. Yeah. And then you find out from this, not just, from Mank as well, but if you you know just do a little bit of research and you go, oh, mm. there's a whole other level to it, which is mm. yeah. you can enjoy it on a couple of levels. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's stuff that I'm aware of and familiar yep. with, and so I was, you know, um, it was good to hear it from you know an, uh, an another point of view, and for that that being you know the mm. the writer's point of view. Yeah. What about you, Sandro? 
Uh, yeah, like most classics, um, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, all those <laughs> sort of things, I saw Citizen Kane way too young. Yeah. And was like, this is boring. I'm bored, yeah. <laughs> it's black and white. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it is, yeah, it is easily one of the greatest movies ever made. I mm. mean, I think it is incredibly important. Yeah. I, I do agree. It's not, it, it's not really an enjoyable movie, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think documentaries about it are fascinating yeah. and the fact that like it's got one of the first ever scenes in a movie where you see the roof of a house or something like that yeah um is yeah j- just to see like how it was made is great um yeah, cool. but i think yeah the legacy of the movie is does kind of overshadow the movie itself at times it's great mm. but i think the legacy is a little bit too big yeah it's interesting yeah it's interesting because i Hadn't really heard of it. And then my, when I was working at the hat shop many years ago, my boss was a big movie fan, big old Hollywood fan, and he gave me a list of movies and Citizen Kane was on the top. So like, you got to watch this movie, you got to watch this movie. And I remember watching it and going, yeah, it's really good and it's one of the best films ever made, absolutely. But the moment I came into the shop the next day and I said I'd watched it, he goes, so did you know that it's based – like he, he was more interested in how I felt about the fact that it was based on this guy and yeah. that mm. the rumours about the word Rosebud and that it was how how controversial it was. That was what he was excited to hear about, not so much what I thought – I mean, we obviously talked about Orson Welles for ages um, as well. But, yeah, it was – straight away it was not did you enjoy the film – did you know these things what about it's the film? About, yeah. So yeah. you're right, the legacy is almost, it's bigger than the film now, obviously, because there'll be people watching Mank, plenty, probably plenty of listeners listening to this episode that will watch Mank but have never seen Citizen Kane or don't really even know what, you know, what it's about. Um, and on the back of that question, would you suggest not watching Mank without having seen uh what am I trying to say? Would you suggest seeing Citizen Kane first before watching Mank or vice versa or it doesn't matter? Me me personally, watching it, I'm there go, I've, you know, with all my obsessions and how deeply I've dipped my toes into many of my obsessions, I was watching it and I'm going, this is old man fan fiction. Yeah, this okay. is pure old man fan fiction about like, it's like, it's, fan fiction as a as as a high art form or a, a fan fiction that assumes it's of a high art form where it's just how much they have researched and how much you know the you know because it's written by Finch's dad David Finch's dad who directed mm. this so you can really show it of course it's written by a man of the boomer generation who would have been steeped in this mythology you know growing up in the 50s and the 60s um and hearing all these stories and researching that and it's pure it, you you cannot even have a remote remote interest in it unless you have you know if not seen Citizen Kane, but mm-hmm. at least you know it thoroughly. For me, yeah. if you're watching it in any other way, maybe it might make you go, "Oh, I might watch this," but I doubt it. It's very much a case of you have to have no- you have to know yep. this film, you have to know Kane to really get most out of it. It's not going to be a film. Uh, there's some films you can watch where you, I guess you know watch Rocket Man and go, "Oh, my, you know, you watch yeah. Rocket Man, you watch Rocket Man and go, "Oh, maybe I'll listen to more." Elton John, yeah. as opposed to yeah, like the disaster artist as well for the room, that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, not um, not in terms of tone at all, but I was likening to Hail Caesar, mm-hmm. where you're getting that look into the writers of the time and, and old Hollywood and being on the lot, but that's from such a wider yes. lens. It's, yeah. You know, whereas this is like you're getting you're getting a look into yeah. it, but without context, it's kind of you. I guess 
we'll get into it in the review. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I like to think I know quite a bit about Hollywood, but even I was like, "Who's Sinclair? Who's yeah, yeah. Who's this?" Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of uh, yeah. It expects you to know. It yeah. expects you to know a lot. Huge conversations about 1940s American politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're going, that's so old, man. <laughs> Fan fiction. If you're interested in watching this and you haven't seen Citizen Kane, you're. I don't think you're the audience for this no. movie. Watch Citizen Kane, jump on IMDb trivia and find out a couple. Just a, only need to know a few details about what it was about and like who it was based on to re- to even sort of you know to enjoy the uh, I think to enjoy it mm. but if you really want to enjoy it you just do do some research beforehand mm. yeah um, and if not just watch Hail Caesar it's pretty good just watch Hail Caesar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a good segue I just wanted to interesting way into the review but I just wanted to get a bit of a you know lay of land there um, so without further ado I will I will handball over to Sandro um, and he's going to lead us through Ooh. our review. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, like most things, we have already given a little bit of a first impression of Mank, but let's go around the table once again with that first impression. Rob, what have you got? Yeah, look, um, I I thought it was very well put together and it was uh, very um, well acted, um, but it's very much a case of it is... Yeah, this film would not have been able to survive in the cinemas. It would have been... (laughs) Yeah, it would have had a, a, a you know uh, a couple of weeks in uh, Nova, possibly at the Lido. But yeah, it is so specific. It is so uh, a love letter to uh, to a bygone era, and specifically the way it's shot, it is kind of sugarcoating things a little bit. It's very much a case of sort of like it it look it looks at some serious issues, but it's all done. It it's it's not a Expose. Yeah, it's not an expose. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like, yeah, it's done in the style. It's shot in the style. It's of a, a 1940s film. And yeah. the tone and the pace of it is that. It is so much a case of, you, it is such a, a, a laser beam specific uh, fan obsession um, to watch. I'm there going, this is so mind-numbingly specific for you to be this obsessed with. Um, mm. And only someone of David Finch's clout could get this made. There you go. I'm going to make a film. I'm going to f- make a film directed. You know, I'm going to direct the film written by my dad, um, and I will get it done. And it's going to be about the writer of Citizen Kane. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. What's the movie with Brian Cranston? He played Trumbo. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. when I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, oh, kind of like Trumbo. But again, Trumbo's a much wider lens. Um, it's about, you know, using co- communist propaganda and things like that. Whereas mm. you're right. It is a laser. It's yeah. just boom. It's this one period of time about this one person and this one movie. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So yes, that's, that's, uh, my first impression. So it, 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 I don't think it will endure with me because I am not, yeah, I am not obsessed with it. it uh, watching it going, I'm obsessed with many things and I can talk for hours about many things <laughs> in specific detail. Yes. yes. And they're going, even for me, this is some obscure, hard, <laughs> hardcore, laser beam focused uh, obsession. With an all-star cast. With yes. an all-star cast because Fincher goes, here's money 
and yeah, they'll yeah. go, yeah, we'll be, be in this with you. Despite the fact that, you know, Ullman's in his 60s and he's playing someone in his 40s. <laughs> I was very confused about Ullman's age for a lot of this movie. <laughs> Until the end where they told you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and don't even get me started about the fact. And Tuppet Middleton I love as an actress, mm. but, you know, um, uh, Mankiewicz's wife was the same age as him. And I guess there's, you know... As we'll get into that, that could be effects of alcoholism as well. That yeah. he did look, and he did look a lot older than he was. Um, but that's, you know, whether that was a deliberate decision by Fincher or not. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of talk about this film about the casting of that they've just not hired any age appropriate actresses, and yeah. it's just that they're not being seen at all, and he's just gone for young, pretty things playing roles of people who are, you know they could have hired an actress in their 40s to play his wife, but went, mm. no, let's get a, you know, an actress in her 20s mm. um, for a couple of roles, which was quite uh, disappointing, and there's been a lot of negativity about that. And, you know, I'm, I'm with them. I support them. Um, mm. So, yeah, that, they were, that was my first impressions. They go, oh, my God, this is so, so obscurely specific. So, yes. What about you, Sandro? Uh, yeah, well, there was a review uh, by a YouTuber that I watch a lot. His name is Chris Stuckman. He reviewed this movie. Uh, and I really like how he put it in that I love all the pieces that make up this movie, mm-hmm. but I don't care mm-hmm. about anything. Mm-hmm. Really, that's happening, unfortunately. Like, I think uh, all of the perf- the performances are great. I do agree that the casting is all over the place, but the, the performances themselves, I think, are all f- fantastic. Mm. Uh, it's well written. The The dialogue is pretty quick. Um, like most Fincher movies, it's it's got that certain energy to it that I like, as I am a, a big fan of him. It looks amazing. I love how it was shot. I love how most outside scenes look like they're filmed on a green screen. I yeah. love that there is just reverb in everything. All of the dialogue sounds like you are mm. watching it from us, like a inner theater. I think that's great. Mm. But the story is a little bit too specific for me. It took me about 50 minutes to really start to get into it when a lot of the political stuff started happening yeah. and I understood yeah. it a little bit more. That's when I started to get into it. Um, unfortunately, it is a character piece, but I just, I, I don't really care too much about the character, unfortunately. Mm. So yeah, it's like, I like all the pieces, but the movie itself, I didn't think was particularly um, great, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, how about you, Jen? Um, I agree. I do. I, I wouldn't say I don't care. I didn't care so much about, makes as a person his sort of journey but um i love like love old hollywood love movie trivia love makings of so the any part the the parts about the film itself like when he was writing scenes and talking to orson wells and meets i loved those moments and i loved the flashbacks thank you fincher for telling us when something was a flashback (laughs) um loved those moments because again i love like with hail caesar i love seeing old Hollywood, um, being on the lot, um, the Maya Goldman, uh, what is it? Uh, Maya Goldman, that one, um, Metro Goldman, Maya, yes, yeah. um, mayor, sorry. Maya, and seeing yeah. those people, cause I know those names. And then the political stuff was where I kind of tuned out a little bit because I, if I missed something, I, I couldn't be, I didn't want to look it up. And like, I just kind of went, Oh, he's played by Bill Nye. He's a, okay. He's the baddie. We don't like him, but he probably isn't that bad. And then, um, 
I got, you know, more interested toward the ele- actual election, um, where the film was affecting things. Um, Bill Nye or Charles Dance? Oh, Bill Nye plays Sinclair. Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, Bill Nye, the science guy. I thought you built. I thought you built Bill Nye from. No, no, no. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Charles Dance. Yeah. yeah, William Randolph Hearst. Um, mm. So I loved. I loved the scenes, um, the flashback scenes, the scenes at Castlehurst. Um, those kind of things, and I, I liked the seeing his writing process. But his journey and like, yeah, as a like you're right, it's a character piece. I didn't really care about the character, but I did care about the story. Yeah, okay. Um, if, and the world that it was showing me because I love that kind of you know that setting. So, um, as a as a lover of the movie Citizen Kane and everything in that era and the controversy that surrounded it, really, really had a really good time. Um, but yeah, as a just watching it from a, as a character piece. <laughs> I cared, but I didn't care. That yeah. makes sense. I cared more than I cared about Tenet. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah, this is definitely better than Tenet. <laughs> you know, I wasn't there going, oh, you know, I hope this, like, writing process, you know, helps him get over his alcoholism or, oh, you know, him and his wife are going to mend their relationship or whatever. I just was like, okay, what happens next and when do we get to see William Randolph Hearst's reaction and mm. all that? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I never, I never for one moment while watching this thought, "Wow, I wonder if my poo's going to go back inside me if I'm inverted." <laughs> I didn't, didn't ask the big questions. And it's not, I don't think it's something that I'll watch again. Yeah, like, no. like Finch's movies, like I'd, I'll rewatch Gone Girl. Whenever, oh yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go back and watch this. I'll go back and watch Citizen Kane now, having watched this. Um, but yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a repeat watch for mm. a while. That doesn't mean I didn't like it, though. Yeah. Yeah, like, the the making of this movie is quite interesting as well, because, as you, you mentioned, um, David Fincher's late dad, Jack Fincher, I think, wrote it in the early 90s, and okay. then David became more of an established director with, like, Seven and The Game, and he wanted to make this movie, I think, with Kevin Spacey and Jodie Foster were going to be the, the leads from everything I've read. Um, but that didn't happen, so now he's finally made it. So it's kind of like a, I'm glad that he has now made this and can now go on <laughs> to make stuff like Gone Girl again, or maybe do season three of Mindhunter Fincher. Come on, oh, right? Yeah. They, they couldn't have the same people in it. Uh, They've all gotten too old. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yeah, going <laughs> going through the cast, uh, the lead is Gary Oldman as Mankiewicz. Uh, interesting performance from him. I feel like he. Uh, what was the last thing I saw him in? I don't. I don't think it was Darkest Hour. Mine was dark. I was literally just trying to think of the movie I saw him in as Churchill. For yeah. me, I was. I kind of just saw him as as Churchill with an American accent. In this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is is Oldman American? No, no, he's he's oh. British, but he's he's been living in America for decades, and so he's lost his accent. His accent was whack. Mm. Uh, I couldn't pick it. Um, there were moments where I was like, is it, is he trying to do a particular kind of drawl? No, no. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, but also like slurred as well. Doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a little bit like, you know, you and McGregor trying to do an American accent. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was a little, a little let down by his performance. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's. It's interesting because, like, everything about this movie kind of screams the Oscars. Like, it very sure. much feels like an Oscar movie, but he, he doesn't 
really give an Oscar performance. No. Which is But then I don't really yeah. know what I was expecting because obviously you watch Darkest Hour and you go, okay, you did a great Churchill and you watch the actor who plays Orson Welles and you mm. know what Orson Welles sounds like. But mm. do we have any pre- footage of Ma- of Mankiewicz? Like is it – was it something that people in the know would be like, oh, he did a really good Mankiewicz. Like maybe <laughs> I just don't know enough about him to know. Oh, he knocked his Mankiewicz out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's recordings of it. I'm, I, but he's not such a well-known character that we go, like, I was waiting, like, the moment I heard the guy playing Orson Welles, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's Orson Welles' voice. Mm. But, you know, I had no I had no, no impressions going in, expectations going in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most exciting part for me was at the end when they actually had that audio recording of the radio interview that Welles yep. did while he was in um, Brazil. Um, Brazil. Yeah, because, like, he was so iconic of yeah and was interviewed on so he was always with the press he loved to promote himself awesome um and there's a great interview um uh, iconic interview between Orson Welles and H.G. Wells they actually were interviewed and they talked to each other back and forth it was a very uh iconic interview and so those type of moments you know the excitement of reality for me was far more interesting than um this screen version of it yeah mm. i think like you said sandra it does scream oscars but i don't think he'll get a nomination i think there's a couple of other performances that that might yeah in this i think yeah but then i'm also like what else came out this year that i mean sasha baron cullen might get one for chicago 7 that's the only mm. one that really comes to there's mind there's been a lot of talk about chicago 7 getting noms um mank will probably get a shitload of nominations oh, yeah. because there's nothing else yeah. which is a real shame and also hollywood likes to Hollywood Did, likes to do like likes movies about, about Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, this is the yeah. reason why Argo didn't win anything other than Best Picture. I mean, mm. I love Argo. I love Argo d- despite the you know historical inaccuracies near the end. But um, you know, they like to America like yeah American Hollywood likes to as opposed to British Hollywood yeah. likes to do a little bit of yeah yeah we are yeah. relevant yeah we yeah. are important yeah we do do good things <laughs> so. Um, yeah, the guy that plays Orson Welles is Tom Burke. Um, most recently, actually, in the latest season of The Crown, he plays Dazzle Jennings in that. Oh, Daz- yes. Dazzle. I think the only other thing I've seen him in is that BBC Musketeers show from like six years ago. He was in that. Sure. But I don't really know too much about him. Now, Dazzle um, Jennings, was he the one who was, was friends with... with Princess Margaret? Yes, and he became a priest. Yes. <laughs> and yes, and his episode was... And he was incredible in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think he had definitely had Orson's voice down. Yeah, he was a good Orson. And I'm glad we didn't see all that much of him. Like, we got that nah. scene between him and Mank toward the end. Um, I think they could have easily overdone it with Orson Welles, I think. I guess it's just me, but is that a bit because I've seen so much and read so much and all this type of stuff. So, you know, that I've seen like the the dynamic between Wells and Houseman played out so many times. Mm. And, and for yeah. me, it's always fascinating, always fascinating to see and to have it in this. Normally, they're on a bit of an even keel, or, you know, Houseman's a bit more of the experienced statesman and guiding Orson through. But with this, it was very much a case of he seemed to be more of the, the lapdog to Orson, which was an yeah. interesting way yeah. of, of doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, that is true, actually. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, the guy that plays Houseman is Sam Troughton as well. I thought he did a 
pretty good job. Again, not in it as much. No, he was good. He was good. He was he was he was quite a good um uh, uh houseman. I think he did a, a quite a good houseman. And so did the um I've seen the actor before. You probably got the there who played um uh, Mankiewicz's brother, so Joe. Oh yeah, uh, Tom mm. Peffery, I think. I looked him up while I was watching it, and the only thing I've seen him in is uh, the bad guy in the first season of Iron Fist. Like, he hasn't really done too much, but he was there in Iron Fist. There you go, there you go. <laughs> I remember him from Iron Fist. He was much better in this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because he was like the brother of the... Love interest? No. Oh no 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 no. Because that's no no. I'm um the the brother of the corporation or whatever it was. Yes, and they yeah because the, the brother and the sister ran the corporation and Danny Rand came back. Oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. Him. He was great in this, and there was a <laughs> the great scene between Joe and uh, Herman mm. talking about the script and when they actually let their guard down and talk about their dad a bit, which was good. But then it's that moment again, which you only see in movies like this, when he goes, "It's a masterpiece." You've wrote a masterpiece. They've gone, yeah, it's I did. It's the best thing I? you've ever written. Yeah. Best yeah. thing you've ever written. You're going, thanks, man. Yeah, man. But don't fucking publish it. Do not make <laughs> this movie. It's the best thing you've ever written, but don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the performance that I think everyone is kind of talking about based off this movie, though, is Amanda Seyfried as Marion Davies. It feels like it's been just ages since we've seen her last. I mean, she's mm. been doing the Mamma Mia movies, but the last, like super notable movie I think I saw her in was like A Million Ways to Die in a West, that that yeah. terrible Seth MacFarlane Western from a few years ago. Was she in that? Was she in that? I thought that was Charlize Theron. Uh, I think they're both in it. Yeah, it's got a pretty big cast. Um, I right. can't remember who she plays, but... And she's in Ted 2? She's in Ted 2, right? Yeah, she's in Ted 2. She was in Les Mis. Uh, but mm. it's it's good to see her again, um, particularly mm. in a performance of this scale. I haven't really seen her do anything like this before and i think no. she did a very good job i think she was right i thought so she yeah. had the old hollywood uh brooklyn starlet <laughs> blonde starlet down pretty i think again yeah. i don't really know much about um marion davies mm. other than her connection to william randolph hurst and rosebud um so yeah I, again it was just like she played what i expected to hear and for a hollywood starlet to sound like i suppose yeah she had yeah. a bit more depth to that than that, though I have to say. Yeah. And again, the, a bu- yeah. another the, all these all of them were supporting characters to Mank. Yeah. And they all had these. Most of them had these moments later on where they visited him just before you know when the script had been released and you know she sat down they had a picnic and there was some really beautiful scenes. Um, we saw a little bit more depth and we got to know a bit more about her relationship with Hurst and. Um, it gave her a lot more depth, which I was thankful for, because I didn't think we were going to get that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if be, maybe I wasn't as focused as I could have been, but for me, I didn't feel those relationships mm. and those connections were earned as much. Mm. I seemed to be like, I was a sense of, well, this is where they meet, and now this is where they are like sitting down and talking as if they're friends but there's this tension between them going, and then those moments were filled in so there's a moment where they do the discussion where they go out for a picnic and she goes you know you know I've read the script and all this type of stuff and there's this moment of bonding about well and then but then they do the scene after where he breaks down and throws up and 
bags everybody out and she storms out in disgust. And so they're going, oh. Is I, that the last time we saw them? Yeah, 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 yeah. What happened in between? And so for me, yeah, for me, a lot of those relationships and connections weren't really earned. Like they're going, okay, he's only had two scenes with Hurst. He had one scene at the start and one scene at the end. And then there's all the dialogue, people yeah. saying what their relationship was. Mm. And they're going, well, I could just read a book about that. I want to see yeah. why this relationship turns. So it was all about what people said as opposed to actually seeing it. There was a lot of yeah. sort of filling in the pieces. I mean, you see them meet. He doesn't know who she is. It's someone's auntie. And yeah. then in the next flashback, we see them together. They're like walking around holding hands. So yeah. they've obviously got a friendship going on. And same thing with Hurst, though. I did feel a bit more. I felt more of a connection between Mank and Hurst. Um, it, that felt more like it was earned. Just weirdly, and he hardly spoke at all, um, Ch- uh, Charles Dance. Yeah. Barely. That, that last scene where he breaks into the part, the dress-up party and has a complete meltdown. He doesn't – he barely – he says nothing yeah. after set a place for Mr. Mankiewicz. Nothing. Mm. But, yeah. You, yeah, and the idea that he always wants him around because he likes the way he speaks and that, that fondness, I felt mm. more that than I felt the relationship between Mank and um, Marion. Mm. Yeah, and they, they had le- even less scenes together. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, it's just, and like stuff with Mankini's uh, wife, I didn't feel that was earned. So there's just this sense of that it was all, it was like there were big gaps for me, gaps yeah. of emo- mm. the, there were emotional gaps to, to bridge those scenes that I didn't feel were there. And especially it was kind of restricted by the fact it was shot in this old school 1940 style where... It, you know that style of filmmaking was more of a, a more staged presentation, and those emotional leaps wouldn't be there as much as um, yeah. as you'd expect in more of a modern film, where you'd have those that that transition a lot smoother. It's been, it's felt very um, segmented to me. Yeah, yeah, because like I, I, I'm thinking about it, particularly for yeah, Tupper Spilton, who does play um, the wife, and also uh, Lily Collins, who is the secretary, while he's writing the, the screenplay. Like those perform- those performances, I thought were fantastic. But then, like thinking about it as characters, there was so much missing there, yeah. particularly when there is meant to be a friendship between Mank and the secretary, but then. Mm it does this kind of jump to a point where they are very friendly, just like with, yeah. with Marion, there isn't that setup. It's just, they meet now they're good friends a couple months later and there isn't anything in there. Like the performances are good, but yeah, it was just missing the meat. And we don't need to show it because we'll just have people talk about it. We'll just have people say, well, you know, you know, Hearst loves you. Oh, okay. Well, because one character said it to Mank, then, you know, we don't need to show a scene of that. So, so. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I still felt, I still did feel a nice little warm fuzzy when that final scene with Marion, just having that, just, I don't know. He's such an unlikable like Patty put it really well. He's like, just imagine being that guy that's always drunk when everyone else is sober. Like it would just every you'd be the clown, like literally the court jester, as they mentioned. Like, but then he found this person that just liked him, they, mm. and and with the secretary, um, I've forgotten her name. You know, we didn't see they didn't really seem to earn that last image that we get of them like embracing. It's lovely, but you're like, I don't. 
when did we get to this point? But I still liked it. Maybe I just liked the idea of an old alcoholic man making friends. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. I found with Marion, despite the age difference, that last scene showed that they were they were on the same page in their, you know, he says, will you ever forgive me? And she says, will you ever forgive me? Like, will you forgive me mm. if they make the movie? Will you forgive me if they don't? Like he found yeah. a, an equal opposition almost in her and like a res- that respect yeah. I know I, just, I, I really liked that scene I like that scene as well yeah yeah you're I right f- though it was very segmented and very you know suddenly we're best friends and mm. I did find when they when she found his little old radio and then he's like let's walk through the um <laughs> you know the grounds and they're holding hands and I was like is this a 1940s thing like are they gonna have an affair like is it what's happening here but it was just a you know friendly hold of hands yeah like, you met did you not just meet last week yeah but uh, i probably just wasn't <laughs> reading was... the um i probably just wasn't reading the dates on the flashbacks properly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good scene as well where they're all talking about like uh pre-war politics i thought that was like an interesting yeah. scene probably yeah. not needed but they're like it did go over my head <laughs> there was <laughs> some stuff in there where it's like wow you really did just get amanda seafruit to say oh hitler's a bit of a rascal isn't he <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't he he's a bit of a rascal <laughs> um yeah and the powerful moment when you know um marion speaks too much and just goes oh well you helped the, you know, the president pick his cabinet and you go um okay well that is um <laughs> she's like but i know i don't know anything like i don't that. know anything i don't know anything at all um it's dangerous for a woman back then to say too much yeah. So they, a lot of these women would just play the dumb card mm. and, oh, I'm just having much, too much to drink, silly me, me, my big mouth kind of thing. Um, I think she played that really well. Yeah, oh, she, I, th- I think she was very, very good. She was, yeah. It's interesting that the guy, uh, the B-roll director who then goes on to make some propaganda mm. movies later in the role, that is a completely fictional character but is based ah. off a real person. It's interesting that that is the part that they made up, like his mm. yeah. story. Because I thought that that was some of the more interesting stuff in the, the movie for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's it the did... fictional stuff, so that's a bit weird. On election it... night, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it did, well, it did seem a little bit, because it was so steeped in this, you know, let's just have talking and chatting to have, to have, this, to have this sense of, okay, I'll give you the bullets. And then he takes the bullets back to the wife and the wife goes, no, he had the whole box. Mm. And so that, that was seen more of a contrived... It's like a thriller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More, yeah, more of a contrived uh, theatre, conve- uh, you know, yeah. uh, script, script convention as opposed to something that would actually happen in, in real life. But, yeah, it was powerful um, to represent, you know, the handing over of your soul for an opportunity and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah and, just, and also the... The effect that Hollywood movie Hollywood can have on the general mm. population and in, into real life stuff like movies aren't just always movies. And one other moment that I did want to bring up was uh, the guy that plays Mayor Arlise Howard. The scene where he uh, like has to ask the whole team <laughs> to take to take pay cuts. Pay cuts. That was fifty percent. That was a pretty fun scene. I quite like him. The actor I think is a is a TV director he hasn't really done too much i only know him from jurassic park 2 lost world he's (laughs) one of the he's got the he's got the same kind of glasses as he does in this film and he's Mm. like the he knows uh he's the kind of um scientific kind of dude on the baddie team 
Yeah. Um, and I was like, I know that those glasses and that face. <laughs> I'm good with faces. I'm not good with names. I'm good with faces. In, or in Lost World, was he the 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 business guy who like goes yeah. into Sorry, goes, yeah, not goes, into, goes yeah. into the boat goes into the boat at the end. Oh, yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah, can't remember yeah. that movie. Yeah. He's in it. He's in it. Yeah. Um, and he has the same classes. He was. He was. I really liked him. Yeah, as um, as as Louis as Louis B. Mayer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Even at the um, that scene, not spoilers, but the funeral scene where he's leaving and he's like crying into a handkerchief and then he just throws it out the window of <laughs> yeah. the car, like just showing this this monster of a person who can turn it on when he needs it. Oh yeah, and that like if they're going, oh, we need to take half, half a cut, and and then one guy go, what well, are you going to take half a cut with your pay? We're here as family, all right. It's all yeah, and, yeah. And then walked away. Was that okay? Was that a good performance? Is that good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was one moment like I didn't never made the connection when I first saw um, Citizen Kane. I didn't make the connection of the character that was meant to be representing him. So mm. when I go back and rewatch it, then I'll be like, aha, right? Because I didn't again like. I've got a bit of knowledge around Citizen Kane and who and the people that they were all the characters were based on, but I didn't realize that Hurst was into was produce was he producing that film at the start with Marion in it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, so he, he was, was the money. So I didn't realize like I knew him as this newspaper tycoon. You, yeah, you know, Her, yeah, Hurst had his Hurst had his hands in everything at that time. Yeah, is mm. he's like for me before I, I, I he was like the Rupert Murdoch of, mm, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, also into Hollywood, which makes absolute complete sense. Cause he had so much money. Yeah. Um, so at the, at the start I was like, Oh, Charles dance. Is that Hearst? Wait, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He produced. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> is that, yeah. Is that Tywin Lannister? Is that yeah. Tywin Lannister sitting there? <laughs> On the that? toilet? What? <laughs> he's in, he's inverted. What? Oh God. Oh, there it we all go. all comes around. It literally. God. Thanks, Patty. <laughs> That's right. I mean, storytelling is a circle, as said in this movie, and you did just complete that circle. You're welcome. You're welcome. This feels like one of our older reviews where we just kind of taper off at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think, yeah, we will give it a ranking now. Probably won't do spoiler review because there's nothing really to to spoil, and we've kind of gone through everything already. Even if we did spoil something, you'll forget about it by the time you watch it because you'll need to watch Citizen Kane first because I guarantee 70% uh, I don't know maybe I need to give people more credit I just I feel like for me when I saw it at whatever age I was when I saw it maybe five years ago it was like a relatively unknown not unknown film but most people haven't seen it even though it's a classic kind of like Gone with the Wind there's a lot of people that haven't seen that film it's kind of like a film school sort of movie or like a theatre, yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, Paddy literally watched it, I think, as part of his screenwriting class or scriptwriting class or journalism even, looking at, you know, Newspaper Empire. So I watch it at uni, yeah. Like I said, if we do spoil something, and we might have already spoiled some things, it's cool. You'll forget about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, but what are you going to rate it, Jen? I still give it a thumb up. Mm-hmm. One thumb up, yeah. Um, for all the reasons I said before, <laughs> um, it's a really interesting, it's like movie trivia, but in a movie itself, it's like a meta, it's like watching Citizen Kane, but it's really meta and it's about the making of Citizen Kane, <laughs> but it is the movie Citizen Kane. <laughs> yes. But it's 10 minutes longer than Citizen Kane. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. 
I have to say I did enjoy the mention of, you know, when she says, and, you know, I hear that the rumour that Rosebud is a reference to what um, she calls him. I got confused as well because she was calling him Pops. And yeah. I was like, wait, it's her dad? <laughs> um, Rosebud being a reference to her genitalia, which yes. is one of the, like, more very uh, on-the-nose rumours about that film. Um, so, yeah, I think one thumb up because it was – I learned, uh, yeah, it was movie trivia in a movie for me with really good performances. <laughs> yep. Yeah, one thumb up. How about you, Rob? Yeah, I'll go. Schmear. I'll give it a schmear. A schmear with a high eh? or a schmear? I'll give a schmear. I'll okay. give a high. Pi- I'll give a high pitched schmear. Maybe if I, if, if, if I was a bit of mind state and not completely exhausted this week, I might try it again <laughs> and see if I. But I'm there going, yeah. Coming from someone who is a complete and utter cinemaphile and, you know, cinephile and, you know, film nerd, um, I'm still going nerd to... Alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> nerd alert's are good on this show. It's literally our whole show is a nerd alert. Yeah. yeah that's true. Uh, I, even I'm there going, okay, damn, this is pretty fucking film nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and that's coming from me. So, man, there's some big ass lips. Um, so, yes, I will. That was obscure Eddie Murphy reference. So, yeah, really? it's a it's a high pitched schmear for me. Awesome. What about you, Sandro? Uh, I th- oh, yeah, I think I might go for like a light thumb up, maybe like Ooh. a Charles dance. Uh, no, 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 a <laughs> drunk, a drunk Gary Oldman thumb up. So it's kind of oh, like wavering nice. a little bit, but it's there. It's there. The with thumbs a hint, there. With a hint of vomit on it. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's, yeah. I like the craft behind the movie uh, in yeah. terms of how it's shot, how it sounds. All the performances I think are great, but I don't know. It, it didn't really hold my attention as much as I wanted it to, but mm. it's still pretty good. You know, there's room to improve when you watch a film and it makes you want to watch a different film. Not so much Citizen... Yes, I'll go back and watch Citizen Kane, but watching it made me go, oh, I really want to rewatch Hell Caesar. Mm. Um, and I really want to watch Even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or any of those ones set back then. Like, it made me want to watch those because they were more uh, enjoyable versions of, <laughs> of the yeah. movie. Um, yeah, I like that. Shout out to that scene, though, that vomit scene, that whole monologue. It's essentially a monologue. And yeah. it's... He's, t- <laughs> he's telling the story of Citizen Kane to the people that it's based on in the form of another story um, of the... Uh... Um, Don Quixote. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it was incredible. I got to the end of the scene and I was like, I didn't breathe for that whole scene. Um, <laughs> just as, a, as an actor as well, like going... It's that classic thing when you, you do a show and there's people that come to see the show and they don't re- they're not really into theatre and they don't really know what to say to you at the end. They go, how did you remember all those lines? <laughs> <laughs> I got to the end of that scene and I was like, fuck, he just like... Word vomited for however long, like that was impressive, and then threw up at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, that was an absolute standout scene for me because um, the tension. Charles Dance didn't say a word. Yeah, um, the yeah. tension in that it was yeah achieved really well. Yeah, definitely. Just for me, the but just that scene with Mank and Marion would have been so much more powerful if that came after. Just I know it was out of sequence and all that type of stuff, but because it was such. A moment where he just tears the two of them apart who have welcomed him into their their lives and houses and stuff like that and for him to do it so publicly in such a humiliating way for himself and for them and for him to get to the point where he is cast out of yeah, yeah of olympus um uh for me it would have hit more powerfully for then you know 
as opposed to her walking off in a huff, but we know that they actually talk because then... Yeah, okay. Yeah, just for me. I know, I know it's a bit more... You know, for that moment, I could see a more linear progression of that relationship would have yeah. had more of an emotional impact for me as opposed to, yes, you're very clever, uh, Fincher boys. I'm very, You're very smart, very clever writers <laughs> and directors. No denying that, but f- for that, I could have just done with a traditional linear narrative. So that, that would have been, that again, says. earned for me, earned for mm. me as well. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. But again, it's sleeping into the whole, well, you know, it's a bit of a, a, a nod to Citizen Kane's cutting of scenes and moving things around as well, possibly. Yeah. But that, yeah. That's too yeah. clever by half, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that is yeah. our review of Mank right there. If you have also seen it and want to let us know your thoughts or maybe ask a question uh, in the context of the movie Mank that makes the podcast turn a bit blue. If you can find a way to do that, we'll applaud you. Uh, feedback.nerdout at gmail.com is the email address, or you can message us on Instagram. Uh, all the links to that in the episode description. Back over to you, Jen. Oh, back over. Well, I guess uh, it's that time of that time of the episode um, where we uh, we plug. Where's Sandro? Where's Sandro plugs? We plug a duck. Uh, that might just go straight over your head. That reference there. No, Andrew. I know. I I watched a lot of Hey Hey. So. Yes. He's not. He's not a chicken or a cow. Remake reruns. You mean? We're gonna. Uh, well, Sandro's gonna plug. Um, yep. <laughs> we make the same joke every week, but it's just funny. Um, it's funny we've got every week. To pl- I don't think. Sorry, Rob. Do you have anything to plug? No, no, no. We we Great. need to organise a, a catch up with you, me, and Innes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just oh, before yeah. we go. Just before we go to Christmas for comedy festival. So yeah. Or we should get together and make up a fake thing to plug next episode. Yeah, um, let's do that. Let's just yeah. bloody do it. Let's bloody do let's it. Let's bloody do it. What about you, Sandro? What have you got to plug this week? Uh, this week is the last, perhaps, big episode of Oldie But A Goodie 1984, because we are talking about the movie Dune. Yay! Dune! Dune. Lynch's Dune. Uh, we got fellow Paul Noodle... Uh, a, a, a person, performer, writer, per, f- is in the troupe, uh, Jack McCulloch, on the Noodle. episode <laughs> to talk about the movie Dune. And it was kind of bad, but it was also kind of good. And it was very Lynch, but also not yeah. Lynch at all, <laughs> if you believe his story. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> if that's even his real name. Yeah. Well, he changed his name for the extended cut. He's not credited on it at all. Really? So. Uh, and, that, and he'd never, he's not going to go back and do any uh, remastering and stuff. That's why the extended cut is like a really bad video transfer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, poorly yeah. put together for, t- for TV release. Uh, and next week on this show, The Mandalorian is done. We'll talk about uh, all of season two as a whole and also all the different Star Wars movies and TV shows, announcements, things that uh, yeah. are apparently going to be made uh, right after we finish recording this episode. <laughs> Yeah, very exciting. Yes, so, yes. yes. Beautiful. Good plugs. Thank you, Sandro. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> that will, will pull the plug on that bathtub now because it's time to, to re- end this episode bathtub. <laughs> There's a bathtub analogy there and it's not – I've been trying to work a plug bathtub reference in every time I host. It just never happens. So – uh, that's that's wrapping up. It's Christmas themed. Here we go. Ooh. Wrapping up this episode. <laughs> this is why I know that I missed that pun because I love them and I use them so much. 
Um, that about wraps us up for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Sandra mentioned the email. We mentioned the email address earlier in the episode and before, but if you do have some feedback, a question, a comment, a suggestion, uh, hit us up feedback mm. at feedback.nerdout at gmail.com. Um, DM us, slide into our DMs on Instagram. Oh yeah. Um, tell us what you think about the poo and wheeze in the tenant <laughs> universe. It's to- It's hot topic. Um, <laughs> And in the meantime, before next episode, don't forget to nerd out.